Section 70 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Segur. The Daily Life of the Pope As a rule, the higher the dignity to which a man is raised, the more weighty and difficult are the duties which his position involves. I know that this is not generally believed or understood, but it is none the less true. Life is often a weary burden to those of high estate, and there is less liberty in the palaces of princes than in the humble dwellings of the poor. The greatest dignitary in the world is undoubtedly the Pope, the supreme head of religion upon earth, the high priest of God, the bishop and pastor of all the faithful, the spiritual father of monarchs as well as of their subjects. There is also no man in the world who leads a more trying, arduous, difficult and laborious life. From the morning till the evening, from the first day of the year to the last, he is, to the very letter, the servant of the servants of God, as the sovereign pontiffs so justly entitle themselves in the papal bulls and decrees. Let us consider in what manner the Pope passes the day. Our Holy Father, Pope Pius IX, is a tall, handsome, and majestic old man, with a sweet and serious face, and a sonorous, sympathetic voice. He lives at Rome, in an immense palace called the Vatican, adjoining the Church of St. Peter's. The vast halls of the Vatican are adorned with grandeur and simplicity. The walls are uniformly covered with red hangings, and with the exception of the pontifical throne, the only seats are wooden stools. After a long suite of rooms occupied by the servants and guards, according to their rank, then by the prelates composing the papal household, we reach the special apartments of His Holiness. These rooms are small and still more simple than the others, and first comes the study of the Holy Father. It is there that he gives, during the day, his numerous audiences, of which we shall speak presently. The Pope is seated in an armchair of crimson velvet. Before him is a large square table covered with red silk, similar to the hangings on the walls. And above the chair there is a canopy of the same color, the insignia of royal and pontifical majesty. Seats for the cardinals and princes, and two or three wooden seats, constitute the furniture of this apartment. This first room communicates with a second of the same size, and exactly similar, excepting that at the end there is a bed hung with crimson silk. This is the Pope's bedchamber. Then comes a third room furnished in the same manner. This is the dining room. The Holy Father has every meal alone on a table covered with red silk like that in the study. Lastly comes the library, which is a large and beautiful room with four or five windows, and where the Pope is accustomed to hold councils with his ministers. The Pope is always dressed in white. He wears on his head a small cap of white silk. His cassock is of white cloth during the winter, and of thin white woolen or white silk during the summer. His wide band is also of white silk with gold tassels. His shoes or slippers are red, 
with a gold cross embroidered on the instep. It is this cross which is kissed by everyone who approaches the sacred person of the Vicar of Jesus Christ. When he leaves his apartments, the Pope wears over his cassock a rochet of lace, a scarlet mantle trimmed with white fur, and lastly a stole embroidered in gold. He covers his head with a large red silk hat, a little raised on each side and trimmed with a gold tassel. The custom of the pontifical court does not permit him to go out in the streets of Rome excepting in a carriage. Beyond the gates of the city, he often takes long walks on foot, stopping willingly to speak to the poor and to children and giving his holy benediction to those whom he meets. All who meet the Pope uncover their heads and kneel down as a mark of the reverence due to his character of Supreme Pontiff. The Holy Father rises early. After his prayers, he goes into his chapel to celebrate the Holy Mass. This chapel is small and adjoining the Pope's apartment. The Blessed Sacrament is always preserved there, and Pius IX, in his devotion to the Divine Eucharist, attends himself to the two lamps which burn perpetually before the tabernacle. Pius IX says Mass, slowly and with deep devotion. His august face is often bathed with tears while he holds in his sacred hands the hidden God of whom he is the vicar. Usually he says Mass at half-past seven and assists, as an act of thanksgiving, at a second Mass celebrated by one of his chaplains. Afterwards, he recites a part of the breviary on his knees with one of the prelates of his household and then returns to his apartments. The Pope's breakfast consists simply of a cup of black coffee. The sobriety of the Italians is well known, and this is the first repast of almost all Romans. Until about ten o'clock, the Holy Father works every day with his first minister, who is a cardinal, and is called the Secretary of State. It is he who is principally charged with the temporal administration of the states of the Church. At ten o'clock commence the audiences, a laborious task, which would be trying and wearisome if the most important questions and the gravest interests of religion and society were not there discussed. Cardinals, bishops, princes, ambassadors, missionaries, priests, and great numbers of the faithful come from all parts of the world to lay down at the feet of the head of the church their homage, their requests, and their necessities. The Pope remains seated during these audiences. All kneel in his presence or stand with his permission. Cardinals and princes have the privilege of sitting down. On entering the Pope's study, three genuflections are made the first at the threshold, the second halfway, and the third at the Pope's feet. Then his foot or his hand is kissed, and the audience commences. As soon as it is ended, the Holy Father rings a bell, and someone else is announced and immediately introduced by one of the resident prelates. Only men are admitted in this manner into the apartments of the Pope. This is an invariable rule. Ladies are received for an audience once or twice a week, in a large hall forming part of the public museums of the Vatican. The audiences of the morning usually last more than four hours. When they are ended, at about half-past two, the Pope passes into his dining room and takes a frugal repast. Then he recites on his knees the continuation of his breviary, and, after a few minutes' repose, goes out in a carriage so as to take a little exercise. 
The Pope often chooses as the destination of his walks some venerable sanctuary where a feast is being celebrated, or some hospital or prison. When it is bad weather, the Holy Father contents himself with walking for a little time up and down the library or in one of the covered galleries of the Vatican. At the decline of day, indicated in Italy by the sound of the Angelus, and for this reason called the Ave Maria, the Pope returns to the Vatican, recites with his suite the angelical salutation, adding the De Profundis for all the faithful and the whole world who have died during the course of the day. Then the audiences recommence. Different papers are also submitted to the Pope for his signature. The decrees of the different Roman congregations which preside over the religious affairs of the whole Catholic world are submitted for his sovereign approbation and final decision. These audiences last until ten or eleven in the evening, after which the Holy Father takes a light collation composed of fruits or vegetables. Then he terminates the recitation of his breviary and goes to take some hours of that repose which he has so devoutly and laboriously earned. Such, with rare exceptions, is the daily life of the Pope, and such a life notwithstanding the honors with which it is surrounded, and even because of these honors is a continual subjection, an hourly self-renunciation. Also when the sovereign pontiff enters into the designs of God, as is so perfectly done by our Holy Father, the present Pope, the esteemable and saintly Pius IX, his life is complete in the sight of God, and merits more than any other life the great and blessed recompense promised to the faithful servant. End of section 70. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C. Toulouse, France.